Welcome to CoinGeek Conversations, and my guest this week is Calvin Eyre, the founder of Eyre Group, the owner of CoinGeek, and the man behind the three-day upcoming CoinGeek Live conference, to which we are all invited, for free and it's online. So, Calvin, thank you very much for doing this. Well, good to be here. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. What's going to be special about CoinGeek Live? Well, clearly, we've got an interest in pushing the conversation about this platform towards its uh, ability to solve enterprise problems from its massive scaling. And uh, some people have noticed that there's going to be a difference in this conference, but I, I, I want to point out that the CoinGeek Conference is a, is a conference that moves around and it's evolving. And uh, I, I see a future where we're going to have a smaller, mo- more mobile, uh, multi-channel conferences and then larger ones, which will have specialized channels. This might be the, lar- the last of the large ones that has everything kind of mixed together. So we're talking about consumer-facing applications, enterprise solutions, infrastructure, finance, all that is kind of mixed together. Uh, that, that was the way it was originally planned, but we were, have been thinking about the evolution for a long time. But, but what's different is the pandemic. And the pandemic has caused this to be virtual. It was supposed to be a, a traditional uh, New York-based conference. And we were really going to be tra- focusing this one at enterprise and finance because of the finance community in uh, New York. So it's going to be live. It's going to be online. And we're going to have two locations where people can speak. And that's to decrease the amount of travel. So people in Europe that want to speak can be speaking uh, in London or, or in the Americas could be speaking from uh, New York. So uh, it's the first time we've done this. But I believe the quality of the speakers is going to speak for itself. The emphasis, as you mentioned, is uh, perhaps a little more on the financial side of things. Does that reflect the way that Bitcoin SV is developing, or is that just because it's in New York? Well, it's going to be both. It's going to be a focus on um, uh, finance, but it's also going to be a focus on enterprise. And uh, there's a few consumer-facing things still in there as well, so it's it's not entirely uh, focused on these things either. Uh, We are definitely taking advantage of being in New York to talk more about the financial possibilities of this platform. Uh, but I also think we, we had to include the uh, enterprise component to it because as the technology scales and more and more people find out about it and the few uh, enterprise solutions that people know about, because there's some that are being worked on that aren't public right now, but as people get more aware of those, there's, there is a growing interest in how this technology can solve real-world enterprise problems. One thing that's going to be more difficult, which is going to disappoint some people, is that the after party for which CoinGeek conferences are so famous uh, cannot take place. I mean, what are we going to do about that? (laughs) I think the world's just going to have to wait. We couldn't, even if it was possible to put one on, we just didn't want to do it because uh, there's just too much stress around parties right now, particularly to go into into what's traditionally been the flu season and so much unknown about what's going to happen this year, which is the first time that we've gone with this virus in the wild, is the first time we've gone into the flu season from the start, right? So there's a lot of unpredictability. And we just didn't think that people needed the extra stress of having to deal with the party. Even my uh, the event team weren't keen on uh, being involved in it. There may be the odd drink after just to, mesh, <laughs> just to celebrate something, I guess. I'm pretty sure there would be some celebration because I hear there's some big announcements coming. Great. Well, so this is the first time there's been a conference that's just open to anyone and for free online. Do you see that as the way forward rather than having to buy tickets and, and come to the venue in future? 
Uh, we're going to have to evaluate this. We see this as kind of an unusual situation with the pandemic, but the world can't stop just because there's a pandemic on, but we, we, we clearly have to adjust to it. And we thought the right thing to do was to make sure that our message got the maximum amount of distribution that we could. And so we decided to offer this one for free. I have no idea what this is going to look like next year. There's some talk about trying to do an event in Tokyo next. So that would be like late, you know, early Q2 next year, I'm guessing. But right now, I think we're going to have to get through this one and then do an evaluation. But that said, uh, the event team is extremely proud of what they put together. And they're really chomping at the bit to get this thing going. And uh, they think that there's going to be an amazing amount of content. And they're looking forward to some of the announcements that are coming. Yeah, I mean, looking at the agenda, it's very impressive. I mean, if, if, if only for the number of speakers. I mean, there really are a lot of, a lot of people you're going to be hearing from during those three days. Yes. Yeah. And as I said, I have said previously, um, I, I see this conference evolving to where there's going to be channels. So if you're interested in consumer applications, there will be a the big ones like this. There'll be a consumer application channel. The finance side, there'll be a finance channel. If you're an infrastructure person, there's going to be an infrastructure side. This technology touches so many different things in the world and it's going to be so impactful that uh, I think you're going to find that there's going to be a level of interest from just about everybody from every industry. So the, it's going to have to be segmented a little bit going forward. The big ones, I think I see a place for a smaller, more mobile conference that floats around the different cities and has sort of a summary of what's going on as well. So that, that's where I see this evolving to. Great. Let's step back and put this conference in context, because this is going to be the sixth conference. Uh, the first one was in Hong Kong back in May 2018, um, a yeah, little more yeah. than two years ago, although it seems seems a lot longer than that. Um, and since then, you've, you've had conferences in Toronto, Seoul, and London twice. Have you followed a single uh, vision throughout this time, or has each conference kind of gone in a slightly different direction, do you think? Uh, I, I think the first one, we were a little off course, but I think since then, all the rest of them have been a progression where we've been focusing on on um, consumer-facing applications and enterprise solutions mostly. And I, we've now added in finance as another layer. So that's not really a change. It's just we're expanding the scope as we, well, specifically for New York, I think. So the one thing that we did in the first one is that we had a focus on merchants, merchant adoption. And I just don't see that now as how this technology gets its toehold. I mean, merchant adoption will happen, but it's not something that we would be wasting any money on pushing right now because we see uh, unique consumer facing applications and unique enterprise solutions that take advantage of the superpowers of this technology, which is its nano transaction capability and it's immutable data storage on a public blockchain. When those two things combined together, this technology has a global monopoly on, which is patent protected. So for me, uh, enterprise solutions, consumer applications, and uh, now finance, uh, we'll be adding that on as well, because of course we can do things with the scaling and finance that can't be done with any of the other platforms as well. Yeah, I remember when I first started at CoinGeek, one of the first things we did was going down to a bar where you could buy <laughs> beer uh, with your yeah. phone and stuff using Bitcoin. But I mean, I guess as an entrepreneur, you're 
signed up to the sort of idea of that pivoting if you if you want to kind of change course that's a perfectly acceptable uh, way of using what you've learned isn't it you don't have to always be going on in the same direction if you've learned something that's useful to know yeah there's there's no compelling reason for a normal merchant that doesn't have a bit of a interest in bleeding edge technologies to open up a payment channel right now, at least in the developing world. It may be different in places like Africa or whatnot. <clears throat> but uh, um, in fact, we have people that are exploring that right now that we work with. Now, that will change when everyone in the world is using the technology already for consumer apps or enterprise solutions. So everybody's got it anyways. And then you just turn it on. And then now it becomes your lowest cost payment channel. And, and another thing is that as uh, usability goes up, the fluctuations in the market uh, rates will decrease as well. So it'll become much more stable. It'll, I, I, I mean, BSV also, because of the, how much it scales, is the best platform for putting stable coins on. And you'll see that starting to happen over the next 12 months. And eventually, uh, all stable coins will be on BSV because of how it scales. But the reality is, is that as BSV becomes more and more dominant, and in fact, eats the world, as I like to say, uh, BSV itself, the native token becomes a stable coin just from the law of big numbers. Yeah, I mean, w one of the most impressive things I've seen recently is uh, what you can do on CentBee now, where you can pay for your electricity. And, you know, there's real genuine uses there. Yeah, and Africa is the right place for that. I think that the payment methods in the developing, more developed world probably are convenient enough that there isn't really a great need for it. But I, I would be willing to bet that some of the stuff they're doing, they're actually really solving real problems for people because... Uh, some people, as I understand, in those that part of the world don't have access to all the infrastructure that we have up in uh, the north here. Yeah, I mean, again, sort of taking the the wider view, there was a a time when when originally people started talking about Bitcoin, and then the 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 emphasis seemed to shift to blockchain, and this was partly, I think, to sort of not frighten big corporate potential users. And now I get the impression that um, the money side of it is coming to the fore again. Is, is yeah. that? Do well, you see? Do you yeah. see that? Uh, what I see is there's a whole lot of people that don't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it, it, block, public blockchains can't work without some token system, economic incentive system. So anybody that made a comment about blockchain is interesting, but Bitcoin isn't, just immediately knows zero about what they're talking about because that's impossible. So I think that was just a bunch of people that didn't understand what they were talking about, liking to hear their own voice. Uh, the reality is, is uh, Bitcoin is so many things, the, pay, the, the value system of it that people focus on because of the way the white paper was written and because that was an early kind of like um, use case for it, is to me uh, a critical component to drive the real value right now today, which is valuing data. Like the ability to put a value on all data all over the world that only can be done on BSV, I think, is the thing that's going to shake the world up. Um, eventually, as I said, once it's stuffs in everybody's hands, sure, you can use it for buying beer, too. But that's we're, we're not looking at that at all right now. And I think any platform that is looking at that is wasting their time. Yeah. And I mean, talking of the data thing, um, there been some announcement recently about micropayments and being able to use sort of nano payments using absolutely fractional uh, units of value. Uh, how, do you, how do you see that contributing? 
Well, it's going to create allow the creation of business models that probably you and I could never even dream of, but somebody will dream up where we can actually take advantage of that to do something that wasn't possible before. So it's going to create new business models. Microtransactions did, and this is going to create even more new business models. Uh, the, the one application I, I, I've heard explained, and it's the easiest for uh, us normal people to understand, business people, is uh, how you can actually now use smart contracts and nano payments to have commerce going on between machines. And now the machines will all be owned by people. Corporations, most likely, will own machines that will be conducting commerce with each other. Uh, so the value will eventually go to the shareholders. So it'll come back to people. But these little bits of business can be agreed in advance and then rolled out across little pieces of equipment scattered all over the globe. And then they can just start doing business with each other. This is the Internet of Things, right? Correct. And that's just so amazing. And I think nanotransactions are going to be a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, uh, in a way, a market kind of crying out for a solution because there's all that business uh, with a small b uh, going on out there, but no monetization attached to it. And so that does look like a huge opportunity. It's either no monetization or it's monetization in big bites, which doesn't optimize things. So this will optimize things and allow uh, value to be tied to actual services, not a, a estimates of them. Right. Now, the rest of the crypto business sort of somehow refuses to kind of go away and, and, and uh, die. There's, there's decentralized finance has attracted a lot of money this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what is your attitude to these kind of constant kind of new developments that seem to be attracting millions or billions of dollars? Yeah, they're unfortunate, I think, because I think the uh, there is some use to DeFi. And, uh, but, of course, as always, the ones that actually do make sense would work better on BSV than these other platforms that don't scale. So, so there's an element of nonsense, if not outright scammery, going on with what's going on here. Uh, but for sure, the majority of the people that are going to be trying to trot out some kind of a program around this new marketing buzz around DeFi or however you pronounce it are going to be have no interest in anything but a scam so it's unfortunate that a lot of people are going to lose money there's going to be people going to jail this is ico3 to me right. ico eco DeFi. i mean it's the same people that are going to be pumping out useless tokens and ripping everybody off it's just another round and it's unfortunate uh there's just so much money being made on these scams and these guys are so much more nimble than the regulators that this stuff just keeps coming out it's bad because it creates a cloud for the utility aspect of what we are trying to do but regulators will eventually get their hands around this and that's where this belongs i mean regulators have to be the ones in charge of this uh it, the good news is the platform that we're all working with is designed to work inside all the existing regulations already and so uh um, at some point in the future all that stuff will be shut down and and i believe the whole uh the the only platform that will exist at that time will be a massively scaling one. And there's no point in having multiple platforms, just like there's no point in having multiple internets. So everything will happen on BSV and that'll be the outcome. And at that point, uh, you know, there may need to be a few more regulations created for it. But I, I believe most of what is going to happen on BSV, at least in our lifetime, actually is already covered by existing regulations. Yeah, we've got some uh, discussion at the conference about regulation with uh, 
people from the EU and other institutions, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody knows my background. I'm a light touch regulation person and always have been. But to pretend that regulations don't apply is that's like fantasy land. <laughs> regulations <laughs> always apply. Governments always want to have their say in stuff. And there's no way for any platform to ever hope that it could get mainstream adoption if governments don't have their uh, say in it and are comfortable with it. Uh, so that's the second reason why all the rest of these platforms are going to die. Uh, they're not designed to work in a regulated environment, but they'll be dead before they actually hit the wall on that one, probably from the scaling problem. So uh, I don't see a future for any of that. Uh, BSV is designed to massively scale, to handle everything on one platform and to work with inside all existing laws. So I think it's pretty clear what the outcome is going to be. Right. Another sort of area of potential development is uh, central bank digital currencies, which is slightly different in that... It's a great idea, though. All banks, all governments should do that. uh, And and the pandemic has underlined another reason to do it. Right. And and then how would BSV fit into that? Well, because BSV scales infinitely, every country in the world could actually operate their central bank currency, digital currency, on top of BSV, in addition to all the other stuff BSV can do. And uh, I I think what will happen, though, is governments are going to get sold a bill of goods by people who actually may be good people, but just don't don't know the industry well enough to know uh, what they should be doing. And you'll get these uh, siloed uh, central bank digital currencies. And if the vision of how the world unfolds is follows our course that we're predicting, uh, then eventually that won't make sense because they'll be using a technology that uh, doesn't seamlessly integrate to the rest of the world. What What is going to be the best news for you? Is it going to be a big breakthrough in one example of what BSV can do? Or is it going to be just slow progress across a very wide front with lots of different things going on? Well, I think both. Yeah, I think what you're going to find is that, that the momentum of the slow incremental change is happening right now and it's going to continue to happen. But every now and then there's going to be a uh, solar flare, something that's like coming out. Because I know a few things that are being worked on that I think when they come out, are going to, people are going to go, holy crap. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Uh, but I, for sure, there's slow incremental growth happening. There's more and more people starting to work with the technology. And it's a one-way street. Once you realize the superpowers of the VSB platform, you don't go back and check on another platform because they don't work. They don't scale. Therefore, at best, they're a hobby platform. So it's a one-way street. The number of people that get what this platform can do is growing and growing and growing. Do you, do you think that the whole COVID situation this year has slowed progress on BSV? No, I don't, I don't believe so. I mean, it has. everybody's been working from home online. I don't really think it has, but uh, it, it, and it's kind of hard to say for sure. But because you, anything that we had to sort of rein in, any other competing platform that was, and, and again, no platform competes with BSV in reality. The, the technical superiority of BSV and what it can do and what people inside the development community are focused on is unique to BSV. But there's confusion competitive confusion in the marketplace by people talking nonsense usually so 
so other events that would be perceived in the, this confusion or reality distortion field that's coming out of these other platforms, uh, I think that would have been slowed down as well because some of their events would have got canceled. Sure. Well, however, if this if this event that we've got coming goes off like we've got, we think it will, um, yeah, I think we'll be in fine spirits. I, I don't think anybody's done on any platform has done what we're attempting here. So, so this is kind of making uh, uh, you know a bit of history. Great. Well, Calvin, I don't think uh, COVID has slowed you down at all. Uh, judging from the exotic locations that appear on your Twitter feed, where, where are you going to be watching the CoinGeek Live from? We've got it all set up. It'll be in the afternoons and evenings here in Europe. And we've got it all set up at the Bitcoin Association offices in Zug, Switzerland. And we're going to be watching it. And we've invited some of our friends from uh, who are interested in Bitcoin in the local community as well. Brilliant. Well, for anyone who wants to watch that, and I'm sure everyone does, it's CoinGeek Live. It's September the 30th to October the 2nd. And you can register for your free virtual pass at coingeekconference.com. So we look forward to it very much. Thank you very much, Calvin. Thank you as well. Thank you.